0: a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed welcome to another edition of bearing arms cam and company my name is cam edwards glad you're with me on the program today so we've got a twofer for you on today's program you know normally we talk with uh, one guest during our uh Cam and Company shows, but today we're going to be talking to two. We're going to start off by uh, talking with Zach Ford of the New Mexico Shooting Sports Association about the session that just wrapped up last week. Not a good session for uh, New Mexico Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham. Most of her major priorities didn't get to her desk at all, and uh, the two bills that did pass out of the legislature heavily amended in favor of gun owners along the way. Now, that doesn't mean that the uh, bills are good by any means, but they are Not what the governor was asking for, and uh, those changes were, again, to the benefits at least of concealed carry holders in the state. Uh, We're also going to be talking with Rick Travis from the uh, California Rifle and Pistol Association. He's the Legislative Affairs Director, and Friday was the deadline in California for new bills to be introduced. As you can imagine, given that this is California, there are a number of new gun control bills introduced this session, including gun registration schemes, uh, both uh, front-door and back-door varieties. Uh, as well as a host of other restrictions on uh, law-abiding gun owners in California. So we're going to talk with uh, Zach and Rick, get you caught up on what happened in New Mexico and what is likely to happen in Sacramento this session. We'll start with our conversation with Zach Ford from the New Mexico Shooting Sports Association. Take a look and a listen. Zach, thanks so much for coming on the program. It's good to talk with you again. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, so the session is over. Michelle Lujan Grisham got two of the bills that she was asking for, albeit in amended form. Um, So I I, I, want to ask about uh, the bills that did get to her desk in just a minute. But the first question is, what happened here, Zach? Because, you know, this 30-day session, the first week, I was going back and I was looking at all of the bills that passed through committee. And... Uh, you know, for the first week or so of the session, it looked like she was going to get everything she wanted. Uh, you know, the semi-auto ban was passing, the uh, under-21 gun ban was passing, uh, think insurance requirements, uh, gun-free zones. They all passed out of committee, and very few of them were amended. But then a lot of them just kept circling around the House and the Senate floor. They never got called up for a vote. So, So what happened to derail the governor's gun control agenda this session?
1: That's a great question. So you know the, the the committees that gun control bills in the Mexico go through in both the House and Senate side are, t- are typically what we call like the public affairs committees and the judiciary committees. Those committees are stacked with progressives. Uh, to make sure that they can pass through what they want to get through and they can't pass anything that the progressives don't want to those committees. So we knew that going in has this, been this way for several years. But the, real, but the real heart of the issue is, you know, those committees are stacked with progressives from places like Santa Fe, Albuquerque, Las Cruces. But when you get to the floor, you have to t- deal with the Democrats' From across the state, from the rural areas. And that's when you really begin to see some real resistance against these bills. Because it's happened in prior years before where bills fail through those first committees. And then they just hit this roadblock getting to the floor because there's a lot of Democrats in New Mexico who don't want these bills. And that's what happened this year. You know, we got, we worked with people from across our state, across party lines, Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, Independent, none of the above. And we got to show these representatives from these rural parts of Mexico, particularly these Democrats from rural New Mexico, these bills were not going to solve problems. They were going to create more problems, and they weren't going to make anybody safer. You know, the governor was pushing incredibly hard. She really, really wanted a rifle ban out of the session, and that bill was never brought up for a vote on the floor. So that's where it died this year, same as the under-21 ban. Yeah, I, you know, and
0: it's interesting because they they – you're right. They didn't bring them up for a vote to be voted down, right? they They kept hanging around, which is – why the governor is now once again, just as he did last year, talking about, well, maybe I'll call for a special session. I don't know. We can see. Um, and, and to be fair, it wasn't just gun control bills that uh, sort of died on the vine. There were some bills that would get tough on violent offenders that were offered by Republicans, had some bipartisan support. But again, it sounds like those progressives on the House and Senate Judiciary Committees didn't want to see those bills. Right They're the th- Those bills were uh, either uh, tied up in committee or failed to get to the uh, floor for a vote. So, what do you think about the prospects for a special session? Do you think we'll see one this year?
1: So it's a it's a it is a real possibility, and we're preparing for it. You know, back in 2021, the governor called for a special session right after the end of the regular sessions 2021 for marijuana legalization in New Mexico. So she knew exactly what she wanted to do. She it was like a week or two after uh, the regular session was over, and then she immediately called for a special session to focus on that one issue. So we know she is entirely willing. To call a special session to focus on gun control. So that's what we're preparing for. You know, back um, this past fall, after she did that executive order, there were a lot of rumors circulating she was going to do a special session on gun control back then this past fall. So we're, we're preparing for it. It's a real possibility. We don't know for sure. Yes or no. Will she do it? But we do know it's a real possibility that she's willing to do.
0: Okay. Now, the two bills that did pass out of uh, the legislature and are on on their way to her desk, you've got uh, one that is a seven-day waiting period. This was originally a 14-business-day waiting period in gun transfers. It was amended down to seven days. It was then further amended to exclude concealed carry holders. Uh, You also have, as we talked about the last time we had you on the program a week ago, this ban on concealed carry at polling places uh, that was also amended to exclude concealed carry holders. What do you make of the fact, Zach, that as the governor is out there saying it's concealed carry holders who are the problem, right? She would try to ban concealed carry in all of Albuquerque and Bernalillo County under this, you know, uh, silly public health uh, emergency. Lawmakers go in and specifically exclude concealed carry holders from these gun control bills that that they did pass. What, what does that say, if anything, about the conflict Between the governor and Democratic lawmakers when it comes to the right to carry and our right to keep and bear
1: arms. I think it shows there is there is a very big disconnect because, you know, on that on the waiting period, Bill, you know, we actually there are actually some pretty progressive legislators who agreed to that amendment to exempt concealed carry permit holders from the waiting period. Um, So on the polling place ban, they were not as um, amenable to. Exempting concealed carry permit holders, and we actually got that amendment on the floor by a vote of 35-34. That's how close it was um, on that polling place one. So now only open carry is banned at polling places in New Mexico. You can still conceal carry. You can still conceal carry uh, your firearm if you have a permit uh, at a polling place. But on that seven-day waiting period, you know, there were some. Like I said, there were some pretty progressive. Uh, re- state representatives and state senators who got behind exempting concealed carry permit holders. You know, we did have some fantastic uh, people from across the state, particularly from the districts of some of those progressive legislators, people who are concealed carry permit holders, who got to talk to them and say, you know what, here's all the training concealed carry permit holders go through. You know, you have to show your proficiency with firearms under New Mexico's concealed carry permit system. So I think there were really a lot of credit goes to those people who reached out to their very progressive anti-gun, if we're honest, representative of the state senators and made a case for why they should exempt concealed carry holders. you know, educating them about the system. So I think it goes to show that even if you have a state representative or state senator in New Mexico, who is a progressive and not really known for being pro gun, if you can reach out to them, have a good conversation with them, show them the facts, you can be a lot more effective than you think you might otherwise be.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And listen, it's not like these uh, uh, bills are now anything that the New Mexico shooting sports association supports, yeah. Um, but they are, <laughs> again, they're not what the governor supported either going into the session. Uh, and I think that, you know, that's really important to consider. These were, uh, again, watered down to the point where they could pass. Um, but those, you know, provisions again, um, are, are beneficial, uh, certainly to concealed carry holders and, uh detrimental to the governor's anti-gun agenda overall. Um, so so what is your takeaway for gun owners right now? Uh, you know, while we are waiting to see what the governor does in terms of calling a special session, what should gun owners across the state be doing?
1: So what gun owners across the state, what you should be doing right now is continue to reach out to your state representative and state senator and tell them, you know, we don't want more gun control. We're not happy about what has happened, and we need to stop more from happening. Because you know, we are, like I said, there is a real possibility that we're going to be back in session. And the governor, if the governor calls a special session on gun control, you better believe that she is going to be really determined that something's going to pass. Um, so that's our big concern is that, you know, she was very upset at the lack of uh, the big bills on things like rifle ban and stuff like that that didn't pass. So if she calls into special session, you better believe that she wants a rifle ban out of that session. So yeah. that's Preparing for that, the people across the state need to be prepared for, is continue to talk to your state representative and state senator and tell them we don't want this stuff. Because um, if it's going to happen, it's probably going to happen here pretty soon. And you better believe that she's going to she's really going to want to get a rifle ban if she calls it back.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But I would also say that based on and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but based on what I've seen from the governor since she declared this public health emergency and tried to unilaterally ban concealed carry, she'll go off and she'll do these things without counting votes. Um, you know, again, she introduced this, this sweeping gun control bill, I think, before she did a headcount to see how much support she had. So even if she calls for a special session, I don't want people to think that it's a fait accompli that any of these gun control bills that uh, might come back are guaranteed to pass. I think it is still very much an open question as to what, if anything, would get out of a special session. There is definitely room uh, in space for gun owners to continue advocating. They're not going to be beating their head against a wall here.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you know, the governor, she pushed really hard for it. She enlisted Senator Heinrich to push really hard for it, too. But the reality is they were really not able to connect with a lot of these rural Democrats that they needed the support of to get this stuff across the line. And you know, those people stood up and we're going to continue to work with them to stand up against the governor again, because it's not just these, you know, these rural Democrats not happy with the governor. governor's out of touch with them, not only at this issue, but a lot of other issues as well, where they stood up against the governor, too. So the governor is very much a my way or the highway type personality that she doesn't really like to work with other people. And yet we use that to our advantage that we can build coalitions with Democrats. We can build coalitions with libertarians, independents uh, and Republicans so we can build a majority of New Mexicans to stand against these uh, bills because this governor, uh, she's my way or the highway. She likes to rule by executive order and we use that to our advantage.
0: Absolutely. And in the meantime, uh, we've got lawsuits continuing against the governor's public health order, including a case known as Fort versus Grisham. Right. That's so exactly. so the legal efforts continue.
1: Yes, absolutely. I mean, we're we sued the governor before we're currently suing the governor and you know, all options are on the table.
0: All right. Zach, listen, thank you so much for everything that you're doing there in New Mexico for our Second Amendment rights all across the country. I'm glad to see that gun owners did respond, uh, and they were active this session. Hopefully, a special session is not called, but uh, again, we'll be paying very close attention, and thank you so much for your time today, sir. Thanks for having me on. Thanks again, Zach, for joining us on the program. Yeah, we will be watching very closely to see uh, if Governor Grisham does call for that special session.
1: I, I, you know, ordinarily
0: I'd say there's no way she will. The the, the votes clearly weren't there, but I, the governor's political acumen is just atrocious. So I don't know what she's going to do. I mean, she's been out there defending this, you know, unilateral ban originally again against every concealed carry holder in all of Albuquerque and Bernalillo County. Uh, even when her own attorney general said, "Yeah, I'm not going to enforce this, even when uh, local police said, I'm not going to enforce this, she's still stuck by her gun ban, at least until the court smacked it down and restricted it. Uh, as of right now, uh, basically uh, concealed carry banned in playgrounds in Albuquerque and Bernalillo County uh, by the governor's order. But that's it. And again, you know, ordinarily you'd say, all right, well, she didn't get these uh, the votes that she was asking for because the support wasn't there. I mean, again, a lot of these bills were hung up for three weeks out of the four week session. So it'd be silly for her to call for a special session. It would be. But that doesn't mean the governor won't do something silly or stupid. She's already proven that she's capable of doing that. So, yeah, we'll be keeping our eyes on. What's going on in uh, Santa Fe? Now let's turn our attention, though, to Sacramento, where, again, on Friday, the deadline passed for new bills to be filed. And unfortunately, there are a lot of bills to talk about. We will not have an exhaustive uh, rundown of every gun-related piece of legislation introduced in Sacramento this year. But I do want to talk with Rick Travis of the California Rifle and Pistol Association about some of the more egregious assaults on our right to keep and bear arms. Let's get that conversation started right now. Rick, thanks so much for coming to the program today. It's good to see you, sir. Good to see you. And, uh, you know, we were talking about chickens on uh, Fire and Line Radio uh, a couple of days ago. I- I'm just warning you now, my rooster has decided to start crowing for the first time in like three months, and he's camped right outside of my office. So if you hear a, uh, a rooster in the background, that's just Mr. Crow. He has decided once again to start crowing. But uh, gun control activists, boy, they're crowing in California. What was it? Uh, Friday was the deadline for Correct. bills that had to be introduced, right? And you said over the weekend yep. you were looking at more than a hundred gun control yep. bills that have been filed?
2: Correct. I,
0: how do you even come up with a hundred more gun control laws in California, given all of the laws that are already on the books or have been wiped off of the books from the, uh, from the by the courts?
2: They just keep trying to trickle down and tweak things. We have a thing called a firearm safety certificate, which I think you've heard about here. It's a test it, you pay 25 bucks, you take it, and it allows you to purchase a new firearm. They're now trying to convert that and to another control point. So if you don't have one for like after five years, you let it elapse, which if you weren't going to buy anything, why would you renew it? Right. Now you would lose all your firearms if, that, if one of the bills gets passed. There's another bill also on the firearm safety certificate from a different author that says If you move to California with your firearms and you don't get it within 60 days of arrival, you lose all your firearms. And then they connect that to another bill that says, wait for it, you must turn in those firearms to local law enforcement. And there's a fourth bill that says any firearm turned in local law enforcement within 72 hours has to be shredded, destroyed, and melted down. So if there were mistakes, you're never getting the firearm back.
0: I mean, that is insane. Rick, this so this is, um, you know, I, I talked about front door and back door attempts at gun registration. This is the front door attempt.
2: This is front uh, door
0: at gun registration. Then you've got the back door attempt, right? That says, okay, you so uh, you have to tell your insurance company all mm-hmm. of the guns that you own, and then the insurance company is going to report all of those guns to the state of California, right? That's the back door gun registration scheme.
2: Correct. Which they're also trying. They also now have a new insurance bill that's out that says that in order to have homeowners insurance, you have to declare if you have firearms or not in the home. And then those homes, of course, have to be registered. This is also happening because ATF has said, hey, there's about and a half million gun owners in California. Yet our own DOJ says there's only about 3 million. And so there's several legislators are like, well, wait a second. There's a bunch of people we don't know what they have. So now we have a whole series of bills designed to go after what would be traditionally called carry relic firearms, to go after firearms that before we had long gun registration, and they want to get those. And this is also to go after the people who have complied with the law by modifying their AR-15 or M4 and other firearms of that that nature. You didn't have to register them as long as you made the modifications required by law. Well, this now requires that. And then those will be treated like dogs in California. Oh, if you have this kind, you pay this kind of license fee, this kind of insurance, et cetera. So, yes, it's complete confiscation, registration, everything. And along with it is the most egregious of all the bills, which says if it gets passed, that not only do you have to register everything you own, but you'll have to pay a tax on it. And that tax can be variated by the legislature and the Department of Justice or the Attorney General without any input for us the people
0: you know and again these are all aimed at lawful gun owners right all of the people right. who are who are jumping through all of the hoops and hurdles that uh, the state has put in their way they are still trying to comply with the law and again that's not enough uh right. for the legislators in Sacramento right I mean they, you know they it, it it if gun owners don't know by now the end goal is the eradication of their right to keep and bear arms. This session should certainly put any of those uh, concerns to rest.
2: Correct. And this is, this is the test bed for big groups. Um, most of these bills, sadly, when you know, you walk up to the author and you're like, why would you think of doing this? Have you considered this? I mean, they're clueless. They immediately turn around to their legislative aide, who starts opening up files that are written by the Brady group, Giffords, etc. cetera. And they're test betting them here, and then they're marching across the country, which we've seen with several of the bills that we had in the state last year, already yep. March.
0: Yeah, that's right. Um, speaking of bills from last year, SB2, uh, all of the challenge provisions on hold, thanks to the efforts of the California Rifle and Pistol Association and other Second Amendment groups. Have you seen anything in the 100 plus gun control bills filed this session that also attack the right to carry? Are there new gun-free zones? Are there more changes to the concealed carry licensing <laughs> process, things of that nature.
2: Yeah, so now they're trying to couple of the FSC to that, and we also are seeing DOJ play games, not with a bill, but what they've done is, for example, when you teach people, and I'm a CCW instructor, and when you teach people CCWs, you teach them this is mostly going to happen less than 21 feet. So you may talk about the tool or drill, but you're you're kind of back. Well, now what they're requiring is all of us as instructors have to go to Back to an academy level post class for teaching law enforcement where you're shooting offhand in two seconds at 75 feet away you're doing double taps to the chest one to the head things you never teach in ccw but this is what's going to be required now they're making everybody go through law enforcement training to be a ccw instructor but here's a catch if you're not law enforcement you can't teach law enforcement even though you have the credentials <laughs>
0: All right, and you
2: know and you cost, mentioned that, the cost. The cost to this class, yeah, twenty five hundred bucks
0: for instructors.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: In order for you to be certified to teach concealed carry going forward,
2: correct?
0: Right. Uh, you know, we we kind of had an idea that this was coming right based on the emergency rules that were issued by uh, Bona's office. But what would this mean? Practically speaking, in fact, what do these emergency rules mean to instructors like yourself? Because from what I'm hearing, Rick, is that it is it's almost impossible right now to, to take a concealed carry course in California.
2: It is. And what what it's doing is it's creating a choke point. You have some counties here who have excess of 30,000, 40,000 CCW holders currently. Are, a lot of them have more people trying to get their CCWs. But now you have departments that have lost 30, 40 instructors, and even at 30 to 40, it was a heavy load for all of us to push through. You know, a lot of them were like me. I do it part-time. It's not my full-time job. This is my full-time job. Yeah. Something I did to help people out on the side. But now we're we're handcuffed, literally. We can't teach. So as a result, the timelines for getting your renewals and everything are growing, which then interacts under the law, CRPA needs to sue these people because- and this is creating – That's what they want. They want to drain our our war chest, or be able to call us out in court and say, "Oh, you you pick and choose," and this is right. the top game that's being played in the state, and it's you know, coming to the state near you.
0: Yeah, well, I, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, what listen? What stays in California? What, what what is introduced in California does not stay in California. It gets exported uh, across the country. Um, and, you know, look, even in Virginia, where right now Democrats have a one-seat majority in the House and the Senate, they've got a Republican governor, they're acting like their governor is Gavin Newsom. They're acting like they've got super majorities. They're passing all kinds of California-inspired gun control bills that will hopefully get vetoed by Governor Youngkin, but I don't want people to think, well, I live in a red state or I live in a purple state. I, you know, I, I don't live in California. They never try anything like this here. What? Yeah, they will. Uh yeah. It's only a matter of time, unfortunately, but it sounds like yeah, you know, I mean, obviously, it sounds like uh, lawmakers have not gotten the message from the Supreme Court in Bruin. Uh, mm-hmm. They have not gotten the message from, uh, uh, you know, judges like St. Benitez, who said, uh, listen, these laws are squarely unconstitutional. They, they don't care. In fact, I, I think probably the more unconstitutional the Supreme Court would find a law, the more passionate these anti lawmakers are about putting it in place.
2: Well, I can give you Senator Portentino, which was the, the gentleman that's behind Senate Bill 2, is behind this new one for the registration. He has told both myself and Sam Fredis from Governors of California, it would be morally unconscionable for me to tell the truth if it meant I couldn't get my bills passed. He said, what? Yeah. Morally unconscionable for me to tell the truth. And I'm like, do you even understand what you just said? Right. But that's their attitude, and he sees it as a badge of honor. And in fact, when we went to him and said, "Hey, you know, you gotta quit this because we just won and an, again in Rhodey and got a wonderful decision from Judge Benitez," and he's like, "Well, wait till you see when I bring out this new bill, which is now 1160, calling for this mass registration. This and if you don't register, you lose them and all the fines and all things with it. It's a monster of a bill." fairly much like SB2, just on a different angle. And he's like, I'm gonna keep doing this. And part of it is because he realizes he's running for Adam Schiff's position in Congress and looks like he's gonna sail through to get it. And then he wants to take this stuff nationally. And he's bold about it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And forget about the fact that uh, Newsom had to call out the National Guard to Oakland to deal Uh with a violent crime because violent crime is so bad and in that gun controlled city. Uh, never mind, you know, the, the fact that businesses are fleeing San Francisco because of the uh, uh, lack of safety in their communities. Yeah. Right. It's it's the it's the again is the legal gun owners that are I won't even say the primary focus. They, it seems to be the only focus of lawmakers like Portantino. Forget violent criminals, right. forget gangbangers, forget forget repeat violent offenders. Let's go after the lawful gun owner who you've never heard about because she's not causing a problem.
2: Well, it's exactly what's happening. We brought this up in testimony. You're creating all these ways to bring people out of prison. Right. So you can make room to put us in prison.
0: Yeah. And that, unfortunately, I mean, like, it sounds crazy, but that's exactly what's happening in Sacramento. So what is the best way for folks, Rick, to to keep up with um, all of the 100-plus gun control bills that are threatening what little remains of their right to keep and bear arms in the state?
2: Well, they can go to CRPA.org and we keep those bills updated weekly. We let you know what's going on with those. But it's also getting involved. And one of the biggest things I've been pushing, Cam, is we've had a lot of people that sit at the tailgate, so to speak, and we all gripe and complain wherever we're at in the U.S. about what's going on. We get ourselves all fired up, and then we go home and most of us do nothing. And I tell people all the time, part of my job as a lobbyist is not two votes, three. Obviously, I want you to vote with us. I want to stop the vote against us. But the third option is not voting at all. And not voting at all is a vote. And what I think a lot of two-way people don't realize that don't vote, they are voting. They're voting for the very thing they don't want by not getting out there. And so there is no such thing as a silent majority. It is we have to be vocal. We have to push back. Um, I have a pretty good friend. He was the former ambassador to Germany, Rick Grinnell, and he's a gun guy. And Rick and I had a conversation. And it was it was outstanding. Rick said, you know what the problem with the 2A community is? And I'm like, what? Because I'm just waiting for it. And he goes, you are where the gay community was 25 years ago. You knew what you wanted, but you were afraid to come out of the closet and say it. And he goes, until you do as a community, you're going to get treated worse than we did. And at first, I was kind of like offended by that. But then I had to sit there and go, no, it's so true. There's so much... Um, talking that we do that doesn't move the ball and it's really getting out there and educating people, you know, and you and I've talked before, but I've been able to talk to people that are, have been in direct opposition to us across the table and they've moved over and said, wow, you're not what I was told by the media. Like there's another side of this story, but if we don't put that story out there, they don't know. Yeah. You know, and I tell people all the time, there's 5% that hate us. 5% with us and there's 90% in the middle that really don't have an opinion but they're only hearing that other 5%. Yep.
0: Yeah. I think that's right. And 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 it's especially acute I think in states like California where you know Chuck Michelle and I have talked about this for for generations there has been this push to make legal gun ownership taboo, right? Mm-hmm. Uh Jim Wallace with Gun Owners actually talks about the same thing. You know, there were there were folks who didn't want to put up yard signs Um, showing their opposition to this, uh, what he called it, the Lawful Citizens Imprisonment Act uh, because they they were worried about what their neighbors would say, right? I don't want want to have this discussion with my neighbors. Listen, we're talking again about the exercise of a fundamental civil right here. One Mm -hmm. that, again, might meet with disapproval from folks like Gavin Newsom, Anthony Portino, and Rob Bonna, but one that is enshrined in the Constitution, one that is exercised by tens of millions of Americans. And yes, California gun owners do need to be out- and loud and proud about the fact that they exercise their right to keep and bear arms, because again, they're not the problem, right? They're, they're not the ones who are driving violent crime in the state. Um, They're the ones who want to protect their family. They want to protect their sons and daughters when they go to the park or when they, you know, drive to the grocery store. Uh, And they're the ones who are being told, well, if, if you don't dot that I, if you don't cross every T, we're going to take your guns from you. We're going to charge you with a crime. And who knows, maybe maybe your kids will grow up without you because you'll be stuck in prison because we declared that you know your possessory offense is worthy of time behind bars.
2: Yeah, I think one of the other things, Cam, is we've got to do a better job of pushing on, especially in other states, pushing on when we use a firearm correctly and the benefits of it. And what I mean by that is, you know, talking to the stats, um, I talked to somebody at the FBI about this, and they they have like it's a little over three hundred thousand times a year. Some of the CCW uses it and saves at least one of their lives, and sometimes many more of their lives. That doesn't make it into the media.
0: Nope.
2: And to our own discredit, um, not talking about you personally, but if you look across social media and all the two A sites, we don't push that narrative. And so the problem is, you have a couple gangbangers. They have a shootout. Some innocent people get hit, which is a tragic story. That makes global news. But that is like literally 10% of what happens on the other side of where we stopped it. That never makes the news. Yeah. And so we need to be start pushing those narratives. And I get it. You know, we, We've been raised in a culture. I might tell you, hey, I had a really good hunt or I had a really good day at the range. But we're not braggarts. We don't talk about that. And that's been to our detriment.
0: No, I think that's right. I mean, this is one of the reasons why I do an armed citizen story on every cam and company program, because you're right, Right. even when they're covered in the local media, most of the time, 90% of the time, it's a one day story. It's a blip in the local Mm -hmm. news and they quickly move on and we never get those follow ups. So you're right. We need to be highlighting those stories when we see them. But we also need to be talking about our own experience as gun owners as well. Uh, Rick Travis, listen. I know we're going to be talking a lot this session because there is unfortunately a lot to talk about. Uh, but uh, again, sign up for the email alerts at uh, crpa.org. Stay involved, stay informed, stay engaged, and most importantly, stay in the fight. Because uh, you know, again, the the goal right now is to stop these bad bills from becoming bad laws. But as we know, CRPA is very aggressive about challenging these bad laws once they are put in place, and uh, and I know that that's going to continue to be the case as well.
2: Yeah. Thank you so much, Cam.
0: Absolutely. Rick Travis, Legislative Affairs Director for the California Rifle and Pistol Association, with us here on Bearing Arms, Cam & Company. Thank you to Rick for joining us on the program. By the way, if you are a California gun owner, you are not yet signed up for the California Rifle and Pistol Association Legislative Alerts, you need to do that. Uh, Gun Owners of California, again, another fantastic resource, but make sure that you're paying attention. Admittedly, the Democrats in Sacramento, probably not as amenable. As the Democrats, at least some of the Democrats in New Mexico, in terms of uh, uh, stymieing these attacks on our right to keep and bear arms. But we do still need to be engaged. We do still need to be involved. We do still need they still need to hear from us. They need to know that California gun owners out there, that they're objecting to this uh, tyrannical nonsense that they keep trying to shove down gun owners' throats that uh, inevitably struck down by the courts. Seems to me like it'd be a uh, savings to taxpayers if they just didn't pass these unconstitutional laws to begin with. But uh, again, probably not the case for a lot of these bills currently alive at the state capital in California. All right. uh, Because we had two interviews today, we're not going to do our full lineup of recidivist report, good deed of the day, and our armed citizen story. However, we will share with you an armed citizen story. This one from Memphis, Tennessee where a, a man has been charged with murder after his accomplice was shot and killed by an armed citizen during a home invasion last week. This was Valentine's Day. It was uh, last Wednesday in the uh, Raleigh neighborhood in Memphis. Uh, 29-year-old Fernando DeVini accused of first-degree murder during the perpetration of aggravated burglary and aggravated, bur- uh, as well as an aggravated burglary charge. A uh, Tennessee uh, law states that somebody can be charged with murder... If somebody is killed while that person is committing a violent crime, you can charge the accomplice with murder because, again, they were part of what led to this uh, uh, criminal death. According to an arrest affidavit, Deviney and another man allegedly broke into a a unit at the Cedarwood Apartments early last Wednesday morning. Uh, The man who died identified as Tadarius Allen, described by Deviney as his, quote, partner in the alleged crime. Fox 13 in Memphis reports that court documents allege the two broke into the apartment around 3 o'clock that morning by breaking through one of the bedroom windows. A few seconds later, they went into the uh, room where the tenant was sleeping, and that is when the renter confronted the burglars. The tenant told investigators he began shooting one of the men, later identified as Allen, after he walked towards him. Court documents say the tenant then ran outside screaming for help. He fired more shots as he saw Divini uh, pulling Allen out of the window, and, quote, it looked as though they were going to do harm to him. According to the Memphis Police Department, Allen died at the scene. His accomplice uh, got away, but again was arrested a, a short time later. Calvin Mayo, who is a, a neighbor, lives across the street from the apartment complex, said he was kind of surprised to see this happen. He said, but it is Memphis. He said, it's crazy how things change from boyhood up to now. He says, I mean, when I was a kid, you could sleep with your door open. And I don't know how old Calvin Mayo is, but um, Memphis – has never been exactly what you'd call Mayberry. Uh, it's always had a fairly high level of violent crime, but apparently the uh, neighborhood has changed for the worse over the uh, few years, last few years. Another uh, woman uh, uh, that Fox Thirteen spoke to said, "I feel it's not fair that uh, Davini is charged with murder." Uh, she said because the homeowner is the one who shot him and not the friend. Yeah, well, the homeowner is acting in self-defense, which is why he's not facing any charges two guys break into your home in the middle of the night, you have a right to protect yourself. The reason, again, why DeVinny is facing murder charges is because his criminal acts, as well as the acts of Allen, is what led to Allen being shot. And uh, so, yes, under Tennessee law, accomplices can be held accountable for the injuries or death uh, that their cohorts suffer in the commission of a violent crime. I guess if uh, this individual has problems with the law, let's always take it up with... Uh, lawmakers i'm sure memphis democrats would be more than happy to try to repeal that law and give violent criminals more rights than they currently have all right that is going to do it for this edition of bearing arms cam and company want to thank you for being a part of the program as always looking forward to being with you again tomorrow on the uh, program we'll have uh, more of the latest second amendment news and information from all across the nation including an armed citizen story our good deed of the day and our recidivist report but make sure you're checking out bearingarms.com throughout the day we're keeping you up to date on all of the latest second amendment news and information from all across the country uh tomorrow's program by the way we're going to have rob door from the minnesota gun owners caucus we uh, were originally supposed to have rob last week but we had a, a weather related issue uh, get in the way of that but uh, rob will be with us on tuesday's game company fingers crossed that uh, no more snowfalls there in the twin cities we can make that happen but again check out BarrenArms.com throughout the day if you like what you see i'd also encourage you to become a vip or vip member just go to barrenarmscom slash subscribe use the promo code GunRights, and you can get a significant savings on your membership have a great rest of your monday we'll see you back here soon until then be well be safe and be free